Willie Bobber's our only relation. Nobby's right. The rest of them ain't even narwhals. I'll get that direction from Tom. Just say that Nobby is really disappointed in Narlene because he doesn't get to have any sugar squeeze. Well, no, no, not fair. <laughs> Welcome to SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's official podcast about all things SpongeBob. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. Today on the show, we have a member of voice actor royalty. He is a living legend, one of the greatest voice actors of all time. Mr. Carlos Alazraki is joining us. You know him as the voice of Rocco in Rocco's Modern Life. And he is tons and tons of characters on SpongeBob, including Scooter the Dude and Nobby the Narwhal on Camp Coral. I mean, just an amazing, amazing person. So excited to talk to him about all of his work on everything, including SpongeBob SquarePants. Here we go. If you will indulge me, sir, I would love to just very briefly <laughs> mention some of the tons and tons of iconic Nickelodeon characters that you played, like Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life, Mr. Croker from The Fairly Odd Parents, Winslow from Cat Dog. Grandpappy Rivera from El Tigre, The Adventures of Manny Rivera, Ton Rock from The Legend of Korra, Carlos from The Loud House and The Casa Grandes, in addition to the non-Nickelodeon iconic characters, we're talking Laszlo from Camp Laszlo, Mr. Weed from Family Guy, Bane from Justice League Doom and Batman vs. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Skyler from Elena of Avalor, the Taco Bell Chihuahua, gotta mention him, literally hundreds of supporting characters in almost every cartoon show ever, plus you've yeah. been Deputy James Garcia on Reno 911 since 2003. Carlos, our first question is, yes. are you getting enough sleep? <laughs> I do get my 30-minute nap today, you know, in between my wife and I trying to sneak in a program because we have two girls that are going to bed later. I, I do get a little bit of sleep, and I try, but I, I'm trying to be as busy as Tom Kenny, and I, I, I can't catch up. I, I don't have my own band and perform at the farmer's market after a seven-hour day of directing and voiceover. <laughs> Wow. But I, I am trying to get my sleep. I'm so happy to be working, and uh, I will take no sleep over uh, overworking any time. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even mention all of the characters that you play on SpongeBob, which is just insane. Uh, that fellow over there used to be the Atomic Flounder. I know he doesn't look like much, but he could go back to crime just like that. <laughs> Help! Help! Help somebody there! You're under arrest, Atomic Flounder! Stop, kid! Stop! Let him go! You said he could snap just like that! What? Get off of me! If I were retired, I'd... I, I uh, would say, was born into the SpongeBob world. Out of Rocco, from that show came Steve Hillenberg, Mark O'Hare, Dan Povermeyer, Swampy Mars. All kinds of folks came out of that uh, Rocco show. And so it was maybe the Goofy Goober clock in the movie. Hey, everybody, it's the Goofy Goober show. Time to wake up. <laughs> and then I was most famously in a voice that I have credited to my friend Michael Pace, a comedian out of St. Louis who's really funny. I was Scooter. Hey, SpongeBob, you ripped your pants all right. <laughs> then I think it was like a chef, uh, uh, a driver of a car that like, like uh, uh, you want to go that way or this way? And then I think it was one of the seagulls in the film, too. Yeah. One of the dude seagulls that talk like that. <laughs> and then more recently on Camp Coral, I played Nobby. 
We was great about Mr. Lawrence. I kind of loved them. We were talking like this. And they said, oh, dear. I can't believe I've been speaking this way. And then my favorite guy is probably Harvey. You guys, we <laughs> are being invaded by space aliens. <laughs> so that's kind of the litany of my characters. That was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Awesome. I guess I ripped my pants again. <laughs> Once again, dude, you have split my sides. <laughs> Carlos, Scooter the Dude, he is my favorite incidental character on Spongebob. He splits my sides. He's so funny. I love that guy. I love <laughs> I love him. And, and I credit it again. Michael Pace came up with this character like, dude, huh, what up? All right. <laughs> and I, I told him, I go, Mike, I borrowed that. I used that. And I blended it in with a little bit more of a crazy dude. But all credit to Mike Pace for kind of setting the uh, tone for me to kind of jump off. And Camp Coral <laughs> is so much fun. Those episodes that you were yeah, just doing the lines from. I mean, like the UFO episode was amazing. You're like, your knobby is such a great, cool character. We're going to get some sugar squeeze. Ain't that right, Nami? Yeah, yeah we're going we to do it, y'all. Tom was an amazing stand-up in San Francisco. He had the whole pompadour haircut with a cat tail in the back and was just a live-action <laughs> cartoon. And uh, just the nicest guy, as we know. I couldn't believe that. I was walking up Hape Street, and I'm like, that's Tom Kenny. He's like, hey, hey, Carlos, how's it going? I'm like, oh my God, Tom Kenny knows me. <laughs> so I knew of him. I knew he was a live action cartoon. I get Rocco. I know Joe Murray. We're hanging out and they're they're looking to find Heifer. And I said, well, there's this guy, Tom Kenny, who's pretty amazing. So I suggested him. And as the story goes, Tom said he used the voice and the laugh of his 12 year old nephew. The dog I to laugh like this. <laughs> and the rest is history. And so he has given me credit. Uh, for launching him into this role as Heifer, which propelled his career. Uh, but I haven't seen any cash. <laughs> so you landed yeah. the role of Rocco in Rocker's Modern Life. What was it like working on that show with the team members who then went on to create SpongeBob? Like you just mentioned, you mentioned so many, Mr. Lawrence, Derek Dryman, Tom Kenny, and of course, Steven Hillenburg. Like, what was that like? The origin of it is I don't have an agent. I'm a, I'm a stand-up comedian like Tom was. I'm in Sacramento on a gig. I make a push record voice tape on a cassette of just like a kid at school getting sick and all the characters. Ew, that's gross. All right, stand back, everybody, stand back. If that were my child, I'd take him to the doctor. So I made it, and I sent it in. It was really raw, and they said, yeah, you got an audition. I don't have an agent. I show up at a house in uh, near the Sutro Towers, owned by George Maestri, or he was living there. Joe Murray and Nick Jennings are in the basement. Wow. Uh, all these people are lined up to go in and out. I don't know what I'm doing. They say, this is Joe Murray. We don't want Australian, because it's, it's too nail on the head. We want... Try a Bruno Kirby. Okay. Hey, everybody. My name is Rocco, and I'm a marsupial <laughs> from Australia. So, all right, all right. So, try Woody Allen. D -d -d hey, Spunky, get out of there. you you, you got to destroy that. What are you doing, Spunky? <laughs> and as I recall, what kept me in the room was I, I just, we were just talking. I go, oh, yeah, I do Gene Wilder. You are not evil. You are good. <laughs> so, they start cracking up, and I go, oh, my God. And they go, try a Spunky. And I'm like, here we go. And Nick Jennings leaps up off a chair and goes, oh, my God, you're spunky. That's it. You're spunky. So I go, good. I have an in. I'm spunky. 
And then I said, can I just kind of based on his drawing and his teeth, do you mind? And I picked up a vacuum manual and I'm like, when you're cleaning the unit, make sure it's unplugged. Detach hose A from hose B. And they're like, hey, that's kind of good. It was actually a lot more Australian. He was really flattened out because I, I was kind of learning how to do the accent. And they liked it. They sent it in. Nickelodeon said yes. We made wow. a pilot where he drops the sponge inside the the bathtub. And that's where, oh, buddy, small dogs and trash are not a part of a balanced diet. Rocco was yellow. <laughs> we made a pilot at Poolside Studios. They sent it off. I'm on the road in Seattle at Last Laugh as a comic. And they said, this is going to series. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Wow. And here's the story that Tom Kenny will kind of back me up on. We're both pretty green, right? We both mm-hmm. got the job. Doug Lawrence gets Filbert by shoving in a tape at work. <laughs> and we show up on the first day. All the, Mary Harrington and all the suits are there behind the glass. I'm nervous because I don't know I'm green, and I hope they're going to like Rocco. And we get there, and Charlie Adler is sitting in a chair, as I recall it, and Tom, I think, recounts the same story. And he's just like, papers are flying like, oh, you leave Rocco alone. You have never... Oh, don't tell me what to do, baby. Rocco. Oh, stop it, Ed. You stop it. And the papers are flying off, and I'm like... Tom and I are like, oh, my God, I don't belong. I don't belong. I don't belong. <laughs> and Joe had his process, and Doug had his scripts, and Steve Hillenberg and all those guys, and Marco O'Hare wow. and Dryman. They all eased us along, and they were patient with the development of Rocco. And much like Homer Simpson, who started out as Walter Matthau. Oh, yeah. You know, yep. Rocco was very Australian, very, like I said, like this. And they said, let's pull it mm-hmm. back to make him easier to understand. Mm. So then he became a little <laughs> bit more cockney with an occasional word. And <laughs> I was very nervous for that for, for, for full first season. Wow. Wow. As was Tom, I, I think. That was like, are we pleasing the executives? We know we got raw talent. But are we right. actually voice actors yet? And I remember meeting Billy West at a con, having landed Rocco, going, wow, I get to be maybe work on a network that one of my voiceover legend heroes works at, Billy West. And, yeah, Billy's the nicest guy, too. Hey, great <laughs> to meet you. Yeah, you're going to be fine. Yeah, you got a lot of talent. I heard about you. <laughs> He's huge! Have you guys seen SpongeBob anywhere? You mean Muscle Bob Buff Pants? He's in there! Uh, whatever. Thanks. I would love to ask, when did you first become aware of SpongeBob SquarePants? Because, like, you're kind of on the outside. You know, it started brewing in its early stages. What did you hear about it? Did you know that it was Steven Hellenberg coming from Rocco? Like, what, like, what was your initial impression? I think it was around 1999 or so, and we Rocco was going, had been going, and then canceled. And then I heard there was a new show created by Steven, so I, I auditioned for all four of the male characters, I think, wow. or three of them. And uh, because they like Gordon, I'm the foot, the talking foot Gordon, who sounded like Johnny Carson. So that was kind of my audition for for SpongeBob was a Gordon. And I I knew a guy named Don Messier because Steve Hillenberg wanted that direction. So I did like I'm I'm Squidward. All right. <laughs> And then I tried to do a Patrick. <laughs> I tried to do everything that the cast does better. <laughs> and so I didn't make the cut of any of the original core characters, but I was brought on to do the characters that we reviewed up front. But I was aware of it right out, right, right from the start. I knew that Steve Hillenberg had this wow. idea for a while. And uh, so I was brought in to audition. And 
So in these auditions, is that when you come up with these side character voices? Like, do they tell you like this? Did you did you get to see like artwork? Were you like, and do you create? I think a there lot was artwork. There was. And, and Steve was telling us kind of what he wanted. He didn't know what he wanted for SpongeBob. I'd already been in that range with Rocco. You know, he's kind of right there. But so I thought it would go more Gordon uh, and more adult. But obviously, Tom is you know lightning in a bottle, and it's it, it's a jewel of a voice and. You can't. There's. No, you can't imagine any other voice being SpongeBob, as you should not. It's just, he's it. He, he. I brought what I brought to Rocco, and you can't imagine another Rocco. He brings what he brings to SpongeBob and several other characters, and so, it fits. It fits. And you know, Roger Bumpus, because Bumpus has the attitude that I didn't have. Right. Bill Fogger Bucky is that guy in real life. He's just such a nice. I'd love to talk Rams football, Carlos, <laughs> even though you're a 49er fan. We could talk about it, right? I love football. Oh, and God. So we get it's along so on great. that basis. And Doug is Doug Plankin. SpongeBob. Doug is brilliant. Carolyn Lawrence is so wonderful. Lori Allen, all of them. But uh, I enjoy the process because, yeah, you're trying to come up with something. You have an initial, I think, the way... I think most voice actors form a voice is by watching. Mm. So, for example, the way I learned to do a Scottish mm. accent was that I was at my friend Kevin's house every single day, <laughs> watching his father, John, with that lip that never moved, <laughs> and watching Uncle Danny, who kind of had the face like this, and Auntie Liz, who was always squinting. <laughs> so, from the physical observation, I could make that voice happen. We're really going off physical cues, how the mouth is held. Wow. How it makes you shape a voice. You know, Rocco, I used to do, hey, hey, oh my. And, and Tom would stand as heifer, oh, Rocco. He would really embody it, you know. Yeah. So we use yeah. all those cues to try to create or push out a voice that we think is going to fit. And everyone and, that's not watching Carlos right now, like he's completely yeah, physically transforming yeah. every time that he changes into a different voice. Yeah, and I'm a sitter like Charlie, so... If, when I'm doing Mr. Cracker, it's all yeah. here. <laughs> I don't use my whole body, even when he does. There you go, parents. You know, uh, but Tom <laughs> is. Tom is a standard. Tom emotes and puts everything into it. Bill Fogerbaki is a standard. Doug is. Because now, we've been doing it so long that if you're in a session and you're auditioning and you've got it, you have to be able to tweak it uh, yeah. or do the complete opposite. Because oftentimes an actor will come in and like, you got the call back. Oh, I, I got the call back of Randy, the cowboy. All right, I'm all ready to go. Oh, yeah, we got you caught up, but we listened to it, but we don't want that. We want him to be mm. this. And you're like, I'm not ready for it because I was all here. I was preparing for this. Yeah. And you wanted to be like this now. Oh, shit. <laughs> Carlos, we would love to know if you can give us a little bit more insight coming from, I mean, again, back in the 90s, you're voicing all these characters at Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, mm. and beyond. Yep. And it felt like the SpongeBob team was taking any opportunity they could to kind of bring you in. What was it like? What was the difference between those early sort of years of SpongeBob and then what you were doing at Rocco? Was there any kind of difference in the in the process, in the approach for that? I think it was more fast-tracked for, for SpongeBob. Mm. They knew that, I think, Rocco was a hit and that something spinning or derivative of that show, that buddy comedy, Rocco Heifer, SpongeBob Patrick... That was going to work more quickly. And you had the benefit of Tom having so much experience under his belt and proving that he's multifaceted and skillful. And Roger Bumpus and Bill being from coach, 
I think yep. you had a yep. more ready-made cast, a ready-made machine. You had a person also that was willing to crank out what Nickelodeon wanted. At that time, Joe Murray liked to work slowly. He wasn't right. uh, in concert with how they wanted the machine to run. So I think it was more fast track. There was more heat behind it. There was more advertising behind it, more toys, more merchandise. Mm. They were ready to go. And it's a, sort of a more beautiful, more vibrant look than Rocco. Rocco's more adult. Yes. It's, yep. It's a guy living alone, working at a comic book store with frog neighbors that do, one of them accepts him. There could be some attraction from Beverly Big Head. They're playing <laughs> yep. Spank the Monkey. You know, we... Yeah. A little more and, um, raw, a little more crude, I think. SpongeBob yep. is more accessible, more bright, brighter, uh, mm-hmm. fun. The imagination of kids, we're in a box, we can go anywhere, we're on Mars. Yep. You know, yep. Rocco is more <laughs> heavy headed. Uh, yeah. I don't know, uh, Hippo. I don't know uh, if I'm happy. I, I guess I am. I try to be happy. <laughs> so that so great. it wasn't as accessible to the mainstream. So I think that's the difference. Is SpongeBob just had that. That machinery behind it that Rocco didn't, or even Red and Stimpy, was still also very dark. Yep. SpongeBob yep. was an introduction into something bright and accessible for everybody, mm-hmm. but with very clever writing as well, obviously. Say, too bad your little brother Nobby isn't here, too. Oh, he's here. Hey, Nobby, jack a horn and get on in here. SpongeBob. <laughs> Wow, Nobby, you sure got big. I need some beetles. My fridge is your fridge, Nobbert. <laughs> Carlos, to go back to the SpongeBob universe for a second, talking yeah. about Nobby Narwhal, you, oh, you were such him. a fantastic character, a really hyper hill folk character in the show. His gibbers are brilliant in that you can always understand the essence of what he's saying. How did you land on that voice and kind of pin down the gibbers? Mm. Well, uh, preface it by saying he's, he's the Bumgarner, right? From uh, Boomgarner, from a blah, 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 good, blah, 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 King of the Hill. Yeah, Boomhauer. There's a little Boomhauer. element to that where Je- Je- I knew Doug was casting the character. And I didn't want to assume because I'm Mr. Lawrence's friend that I'm just going to get the role. So he had actually written out actual gibberish that I deciphered and wrote out phonetically. Because <laughs> I wanted to make sure I honored his writing for the audition. But I knew that I, that, that he was high-pitched because he's a little boy. <laughs> so, <laughs> My daddy. I do. If you're listening to Stephanie Miller's show, I play, I portray Liz Cheney as uh, a, a little girl wanting, wanting, or wanting his love. <laughs> daddy, don't you love me, Daddy? I'm trying to be like you, Daddy. So I was already there with that. So to, I'll get that direction from Tom. Just say that Nobby is really disappointed in Narlene because he doesn't get to have any sugar squeeze. Well, I'm no, no, not fair. <laughs> so it's all an attitude and a projection of that attitude that lends to you getting that gibberish just right for the mood and Tom guiding you there. Here's the thing, Carlos. Here's the thing. Like, you were already one of the greatest voice actors in the history of animation. But now, to me, you're also one of the greatest impressionists. You're also in that category, man. You're so, so good. And I love how you have taken a lot of that approach, a lot from your stand-up. That's what's you're sort of finding your way into your voiceover characters. Uh, I think it's just fantastic. 
Thank you. And again, credit to Billy West for letting me know that I don't have to be like Eric Bowser and Christian Lands do a spot on Antonio Banderas. Mm. Yes. And I try. I try to do as, as best I could. As, uh, I want to be like them, na- Flones, Nation Eggs. <laughs> but those guys have the bass and the tenor yeah, that I mm, don't. Interesting. And so while I can't get, I can't do Morgan Freeman like Josh Robert Thompson can. Right. It's right, it's free, right. Or Frank Caliendo or a couple of others or Ian McKellen. But I can get close and yeah. then make an original character. Mr. Crocker is a blend of, I've said this before, Harry Shearer, Montgomery Burns, because people always say, you're doing Mr. Burns. I go, yeah. Yeah. I'm totally emulating revenge is a dish best served cold, Smithers. There's definitely that there. There is, I don't want panties hanging on the rod. <laughs> and then, you get nothing. Good day, sir. Which, when it's blended all together as Timmy Turner, you get nothing because of, there got parents. So it's a blend of all of those three wow. that I don't quite do exactly but if I put them together, Mr. Crocker, in a you're, cup. Paint, you're a painter creating a new color. You're just like, yeah. you know, right, right, right. Yeah. taking some reds right, right. and yellows, putting them together with a little white and see how many I think Laszlo is a mixture of SpongeBob and. Because I always got accused of, like, hey, that sounds like SpongeBob. I go, well, really, Laszlo is uh, kind of Rocco with a little bit of Sponge. Hey, Scoutmaster Lumpus. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> He's not quite as high as SpongeBob. He's kind of right down here. Yep. All right, Bean Scouts. And then Clam, if you listen to Clam, here's some secrets. If you uh, uh, listen to Clam, uh, Fast Boat, he's basically a faster, more staccato version of Lou from the Greasers. <laughs> if you listen to Come, Fly With Me, Gachinha, you hear Yo Quiero Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> if you listen in that same movie to Fear and the Dad's Head, The Foot Is Down, The Foot Is Down, you hear yep. Garcia from Rena 911 going, Get Down. So Get we down. can sort of borrow and massage. <laughs> Nasty Nork, the uh, uh, Spyro is kind of almost Rocco. So you can play in octaves and add little tweaks and bass and pull it out and stretch it, you know. That's Man. why oftentimes you'll go, oh, I hear Carlos in that, or I hear Tom a little bit in that, but it's different enough. It's nuanced. Yeah. And what makes it seem so much more different is what the, the work of what the animators do. True, true. Yep. It's they it's you help co- us. it's yeah, it's you collaborating with those animators and the writers and everybody to cr- to craft that character and make it a unique and awesome character. So yeah. Yeah. Because when I'm doing if I go from Mike Brzezowski to Rocco, what's helping you imagine that that's so great is the picture of them. Yep. Well, yep. really it's They're... just coming out of the same thing, you know. <laughs> it's 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 just going from here, uh, here to here. Carlos, here's a question I've always wanted to know from voice actors of your caliber. Do you ever do a voice from one of your characters at home on your own, walking around the house for something? Like, which voice do you do the most by yourself? Oh, gosh. What would be the voice? Well, because of my dogs, I I think it's closer to, uh, I probably played this character on a couple things, but I just talk to my dogs like that. Y'all want to go on and walk the block? We're going to go walk the block. You want some treat? Hey, y'all want some treat? So I think that's, that's one of them. Carlos, this has been a masterclass, man. We love SpongeBob. We love cartoons. And every person we've talked to, what do I say every week, Frankie? I say every person we've talked to, they're the most perfect person that is a part for the job, that is a part of this world, for the family. So we're so happy that you are a part of that SpongeBob family. But just like getting to talk with you has been great, man. I love it. Yeah, I love love Nobby and and, uh, Harvey. And I love working with Tom and Vincent and, and Mark and all the whole crew and... 
Yeah, I, I, I'm proud to be a part of it. It's so fun. We need an episode where Kate Mul- Mulgrew steers the ship uh, uh, to uh, Camp Coral. Oh, we need that. Oh, that'd be hey, so look at great. Hey, spaceship, Star Trek. So I great. Like I you mean, you just make that yeah. on YouTube right now. Like, just like, grab your yeah, daughter. I told you guys. I told you I saw this ship. If we can get some kind of a, yeah, if we can get some kind of like Rock Talk goes to the holodeck and hangs out with yes. Rocco, I think that would be, I think that would like destroy the internet. We may do something. My daughter and I might <gasps> do something where Rocco gets to talk to Rock Talk. I would oh, love to that. Yeah, we would love to see that. Absolutely. Awesome. Hector awesome. and Frankie, thank you so I much. Thank you, oh, thank you so, so much. much, Carlos. Frankie, that was a master class right there. I mean, immediately when he was talking, I was like, you have to be a professor of this because you are just so good at describing your craft. And it was amazing to actually get that kind of insight. We have a lot of amazing voice actors that come onto this podcast, but I don't think anyone has quite described the craft as well as Carlos did today, which was such an honor to listen to him. And um, what a career. And it was was also so, so funny to, to get to chat with him. So huge thanks to Carlos for spending some of his time with us today. Today. Guys, let us know what your favorite part of our interview with Carlos Alizraki was. And, and which impersonation was your favorite? Yes. Because there were three billion. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might go with Billy Crystal. His his Mike Wazowski was phenomenal. It was, it was, was like insane. blowing my mind. But guys, thank you again for listening. Join us next week for another great episode of SpongeBob Binge Pants. Check every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, keep watching cartoons. We'll see you next time. Bye.